Happy Friday, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to the latest episode of the Frary and Smith podcast. Sunbelt Bowl season continues to excite with many of the conference's members excelling. In today's episode, we'll preview the Ticket Smarter Birmingham Bowl with the help of legendary ECU quarterback Holton Ehlers. This matchup will feature Coastal Carolina taking on the East Carolina Pirates in the final Sunbelt versus American Athletic matchup of bowl season. Caden, we have the Sunbelt runner-up Coastal Carolina in a 7-5 East Carolina squad. Sunbelt versus American, two legendary quarterbacks. What has you most excited about this matchup? On the Coastal side of things, I'm very excited to watch this team kind of respond to the end of the season that was fairly disappointing for them losing a couple games, losing the conference championship, have a lot of different things going on in their building right now. Really excited to watch them get after it in this final game and see if they can end their season on a high note. And then when you talk about ECU, the team they're playing in this game, look at all the teams we've talked about across the board with all of these bowl matchups. I think ECU is one of the more well-rounded teams if you look at offense, defense, and their ability to do different things on both sides of the ball. So I think it's going to be a great game, some great competition for Coastal Carolina in this one. And I think when you look at the personnel, it's really going to come down to which team wants it more, who's going to get after it, and who's really going to be the most physical and put the most points on the board and do the best they can to elevate their senior class and send them off on the right note. Yeah, this is interesting for Coastal Carolina. We'll get into it more as the episode progresses, but they're going to be playing without some key pieces that have entered the transfer portal and have transferred. You also have Grayson McCall playing in the final game of his Coastal Carolina career. Well, as we get you set for Tuesday's matchup, we spoke with East Carolina quarterback Holden Ehlers, who is one of the best quarterbacks to ever put on the purple and gold. After growing up an ECU fan, Holton has gone on to author a truly legendary career. On Tuesday, he will play in his 55th career game. He's thrown for over 13,000 yards and 92 touchdown passes during his five seasons in Greenville. This year, Holton has saved his best for last, throwing for a career-best 3,408 yards while connecting for a career-best 23 touchdown passes. In this interview, Holton talks about getting the chance to represent this ECU team in a bowl game for the first time since 2015, the mutual respect between he and Grayson McCall, and even shared his go-to pregame songs. You're not going to want to miss this interview with East Carolina's Holton Aylers. Really excited to have Mr. ECU, one of the best quarterbacks all time at East Carolina, Holton Aylers. Really good to have you on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Excited to be here. Well, you're the first ever non-Sunbelt athlete to come on the podcast and definitely excited about that. But hey, we wanted to, you know, just talk to you a little bit about your decision ultimately to come to Eastern. There's a saying in the Eastern part of North Carolina that nobody loves Greenville as much as Holt Naylor's. Uh, what has it meant to you to live out some of your childhood dreams over the past five years as the starting quarterback at East Carolina? Yeah, um, you know, being from Greenville and uh, I mean, there's there's God and then there's, you know, ECU's quarterback when you're a little kid and you're growing up here. And, um, you know, being the quarterback at East Carolina has been, you know, a, a blessing for me and my family. And uh, it's been a it's been a long journey. You know, I mean, I came here and I committed here and a lot of people call me crazy. Um, I had SEC offers. I had bigger offers. But uh, obviously, ECU wasn't winning at the time. And, um, you know, to decide to you know pass up on bigger schools to come to your hometown to to kind of help rebuild the culture and the program here was, you know, I didn't realize how big of a task it was going to be when I did it at first, but um, I'm certainly glad I did. And, you know, to have us back in, in postseason play has been, you know, such a fun and special ride for me. 
That's great that you have your connection with ECU like that, especially in today's era where NIL transfer portal stuff can often get in the way with a lot of that. So it's great to hear a story like that. But last season, you and ECU, y'all qualified you for your first bowl game since 2015. But then unfortunately, Boston College couldn't play in that game because of COVID issues. Can you describe what that feeling was like from you and your teammates having to go through that that year and now getting a chance redemption redemption this year and being able to play in this game? Yeah, it was tough. You know, I mean, when you work so hard, I mean, you know, some of those guys were 60 or seniors, never been to a bowl game and, uh, you know, finally got the opportunity to do it, uh, you know, finally broke through. And, uh, you know, last year was a special season in itself, but, uh, you know, we were we were wanting to cap it off the right way with a bowl win. And, you know, we're we're less than 24 hours out from a game. We're going to our final walkthrough, our final team meeting, you know, as a team. Um, and we go in there and instead of a you know, telling us to hop on the bus and, and get ready to go for our last walkthrough. They tell us the game's canceled, and, uh, you know, call our families, tell them to go home. So it was tough. You know, I, it was it was one of the more tough things I've done um, outside of, you know, the field of football, just just as a team and being there for each other and, you know, looking those fifth, six-year guys in the eyes and telling them we're sorry that, you know, we couldn't get it done. Yeah, I love to I love to hear that. And I'm excited for you and, and some of your teammates to now get this, this second opportunity here. Uh, you're going to be playing in your 55th career game in your first bowl game. This episode is going to come out the day before the game, so that'll be tomorrow in terms of episode time. But uh, you came to ECU to return this program back to where it once was. Do you feel like you've accomplished that goal? Yeah, I have. You know, I, I definitely feel like I have. And, uh, you know, I knew, you know, when I committed here that, you know, it was going to be tough to win a conference championship. Obviously, that was one of our goals, and, and we didn't get it done. But at the same time, you know, our goal was, was just to get – you know, ECU football back to to any anywhere we play, anytime we play, anyone we have a chance to win. Um, and when we came in, that was not the case at all. You know, we were kind of the, you know the laughing stock of the conference for a couple of years there after we fired Coach Ruff. And uh, to be where we are now, you know, I'm super proud of of where we've come. And we, we you know we've really set up you know the next couple of years for ECU football, and uh, you know hopefully they thrive in that. So yeah, I mean I definitely think you know the goal was accomplished to to bring. ECU football back and, you know, a, a win in the bowl game would definitely cap that off. Now, Holden, your head coach, Mike Houston, has been with you every step of the way through your journey at ECU. Can you describe just what your relationship is like with him and how it's felt to have commitment or a trust and faith and commitment in you as the starting quarterback from your career there? Yeah, um, you know, our relationship's, you know, great. You know, anytime you have a guy that believes in you like that. So, uh, you know, my, my freshman year, I committed to a different coach. You know, I started um, my freshman year, I had a had a different coach. He ended up getting fired, which was kind of expected. And then, you know, the first time I met with Coach Houston uh, going into my sophomore year was, uh, you know, he sat down and told me, he said, you know, look, it's going to be hard, um, you know, but, you know, we believe we have a quarterback in you and I'm going I'm to stick it out with you this whole way. And, you know, from that point on, you know, our relationship grew and just the trust that I had in him and he had in me uh, obviously paid off really well. So yeah, there was times early on, I mean, even in, in his first year coaching, I mean, we went, you know, three and nine, I think, or, or somewhere four and eight, maybe. Um, and, you know, he was getting a lot of a lot of crap anyways, because I mean, Greenville, you know, football's big around here in East, Eastern North Carolina football's big. So you know, if you're not winning, you know, the head coach and the quarterback are always the one to blame. And, uh, you know, but you know, we stuck together um, and, and we made it through. And I definitely appreciate it for that. Let's talk about this bowl game matchup. It's a lot of fun because you have two quarterbacks that, you know, obviously you'll be playing in your final game at East Carolina. Grayson McCall has announced his intention to transfer. Uh, but you're going to be going up against Grayson McCall, who's been one of the best, you know, quarterbacks in college football. 
as a fellow quarterback, what do you admire about Grayson's game on the field? Yeah, um, you know, I just know – I don't know him, you know, personally. I know he's – I think he's from North Carolina. But uh, just from watching him over the years, um, I mean, he's he's definitely put up some big numbers and kind of brought Coastal Carolina into a national spotlight. And, you know, I definitely appreciate that, you know, coming from another group of five school and, and being a quarterback that kind of, you know, pushes through that threshold of it. And, and the way that he's done it has been incredible. So um, I'm excited to go against him. You know, I'm excited – Anytime you get to go against another great quarterback like that, you know it's going to be a fun matchup. So I'm definitely excited to get down there and play him. On the other side of the ball for Coastal, I know you've probably watched the film, and it's no secret that the last two weeks their defense has been a little bit vulnerable, especially in the secondary at times. Is that, is that something that you and your receivers and guys like C.J. Johnson and Isaiah Winston have kind of game plan and looked at and see you could possibly be successful in that area headed into this game? Yeah, you know, we watched the film and, you know, they didn't have the best, you know, last two weeks on defense, but, you know, they're still really talented over there. Um, and, you know, we always kind of look for matchups or, you know, little things, little tendencies that we can pick up. But you got to think, I mean, they have a month before, you know, we play each other. They have a month off that they could, I mean, they could change the whole defense if they wanted to. And you know, just like we could change the whole offense if we wanted to in a month. So uh, it would be a good matchup. You know, I think they're, they're super talented on that side of the ball. And, um, you know, I think, you know, we, we match up, you know, naturally well with, with a lot of teams just because of our size on the outside. I mean, we got some big receivers in the slot and on the outside with CJ um, and Isaiah. And then we got some really speedy guys on the outside as well. So um, it's going to be a fun matchup. You know, I'm excited to get down there and play them. And, uh, you know, hopefully we put on a show. In that last game of the regular season, Holton, you guys play at Temple. You put up 49 points in that game. Really just a great day on offense all around. Things were clicking for you in the past game. And, Keaton Mitchell in the run game. How do you plan to now carry that momentum into the bowl game? And especially, you know, with this gap in between games that you were just mentioning? Yeah, um, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to carry momentum a month, um, you know, separated between games. We you know we're hoping to do that. and uh, Just go out there every single day and, and get better at practice and continue that chemistry and, c- and continue that timing. And, you know, any new stuff that we put in, kind of learning that and, um, you know, getting comfortable with that. But, you know, when we've played a lot of ball together, I mean, this team is is a veteran team that, you know, kind of all came in together. And then we've we've kind of pitched in a couple transfers with, you know, obviously Isaiah and, and Jalen Johnson are two outside receivers um, along the way. So, um, you know, we're an older team. You know, we'll be ready to go. And um, we're excited about the matchup. You know, Coastal's a really good team. And, uh, you know, obviously the last two weeks they've, they've given up a lot of points on offense. But you got to think we scored three points versus uh, versus Houston two games ago too. So, um, you know, that doesn't really say who you are fully. Um, there's a whole season of film of them playing really well on defense. So um, it's going to be a good matchup. Last question for you, Holden. We ask all our student athletes this, and it's finally great to get some perspective of a player outside of the Sun Belt in this area. But before the game, before this bowl game, what's going to be in those headphones? What are you going to be listening to? What music is going to get you going for this game? And if you had to pick one song, maybe your baseball walk-up song, what would that be for you? Shoot, man, I'm a, I'm a country guy. Um, you know, I don't, I don't like to get too pumped before games because I'm just already naturally like that. I'm a naturally fiery guy. Um, you know, some Blue Combs, uh, some Morgan Wall and stuff like that. Um, you know, my friends joke on me, but I listen to Thank God I'm a Country Boy right before on the bus on the way to the game. So that's, that's my song. That's my go-to song. Well, watching you play and keeping up with your career throughout the years, it's definitely been working for you. So don't don't listen to the hate that your teammates want to give you for that for song sure. choice. But hold, sure. hold knows it was hold it was great to have you on the podcast. We wish you the best of luck in this bowl game in your last game with ECU, and wish the best for you moving forward as well. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, guys.
Kane, that was a lot of fun talking with one of the best quarterbacks in college football. I loved hearing about his journey to choosing ECU, and it was even interesting to hear his praise uh, about Grayson McCall's play down at Coastal Carolina. Yeah, they say in the game, real, recognize, real. And those are two great quarterbacks that have really elevated their game year after year after year. If you look at their careers, I think when you talk about Holton wanting to bring ECU back to their success they've had in the past, a lot of that had to do with him getting better year after year. He had his best season this year, and there's no secret that's why they made it to this bowl game, or at least a big reason why. Super happy he also gets redemption with some of his teammates as well, not being able to play in that bowl game they had last year because of COVID and getting a second shot at this. So excited to watch him and his seniors play in this one for sure. Well, let's talk about this Ticket Smarter Birmingham Bowl. It'll take place on Tuesday, December 27th at 645 Eastern. It'll be on ESPN. ECU comes in as a seven and a half point favorite in this game over under currently sitting at 62. It's interesting to see that number, perhaps thinking that maybe we could see a decent amount of points scored in this game. Gain some notes on this game. It began in 2006 as the PapaJohns.com Birmingham Bowl, kind of a blast from the past there. Uh, this is actually going to be the first time a Sunbelt school will appear in this game. Uh, Coastal Carolina is playing in their third consecutive bowl game, their third in program history. They're one and one in the previous two after defeating Northern Illinois in the Cure Bowl last year. ECU comes in their third appearance all time in the Birmingham Bowl since 2006. Uh, they're 9-11 in bowl games. Uh, and last year, Caden, as you mentioned, they didn't get a chance to compete in that military bowl after Boston or Boston College had some COVID issues. That game was forced to be canceled. Uh, but, Caden, looking at this year's games, we already, we've already we already whet the appetite of our listeners. You can't talk about this game without talking about the legendary quarterbacks. Grayson McCall, the only three-time Sunbelt Player of the Year. Holden Ehlers, one of the most prolific passers in American athletic history. Uh, both will be playing in their final game at their respective programs. For McCall, he's thrown for over 2,600 yards in 10 games this year. Third consecutive 24-plus touchdown season for McCall. And, Kane, this is unbelievable for McCall. Just eight career interceptions in 780 passing attempts over the last three years. And then you look at Colton Ayler, or Holton Ayler's rather, over 13,000 passing yards, 92 career touchdowns, career highs in passing yards and touchdowns this year. These are two quarterbacks that are the best in the business at the group of five level. They definitely are. When you talk about a guy like Grayson, who I've talked about at length and detail about all year, all season long, really just putting a bow on his career and having an opportunity to end it on the right note. I think it's very hard if you look at this current college football landscape to leave a program that you clearly mean so much to and had so much to do with their success and be able to gracefully play one last game before moving on to another school. I think it really shows how much the Coastal Carolina fan base looks up to Grayson and how much they appreciate what he's done over the years. So excited to watch him play in this game. And I think some of the more important things as far as him playing in this game is Coach Chabwell is not going to be calling those plays from Coach Chabwell is out of there. So it's going to be interesting to see the play calling changes at all and how he adjusts and adapts to that. And I feel like with his experience and his knowledge of this offense, him knowing it like the back of his hand, him making right decisions, play after play after play and really hurting teams with that scheme. I have a lot of confidence in him doing that. I think it's also good to have him get some rest. We know that he was banged up going into the Sunbelt Championship game. Some of the weather and some of those conditions might have had to do with his first half performance that we saw that was a little bit shaky along with just a great defensive day from Troy. So I'm sure he's had plenty of time to rest. Probably had a lot on his mind with the transfer report and all the different things happening around Coastal Carolina right now. But I think he comes into this game with a clear head, knows what he's doing at the helm and can lead these guys 
He can do what he's done a lot of times for this Coastal Carolina team, which is lead their offense at a high, efficient clip and lead them to a win. If you look at the other side at Holden Aylers, talked about it a little bit before. This is a guy who's an unorthodox quarterback, a left-handed guy, a scrappy guy that you would just kind of the kind of guy you like to have on your team and you kind of love watching play just because he's a dude. He's a football player. And I think his unorthodox play style and some of his decision-making in the past has gotten him in trouble. He's thrown a ton of interceptions in the past, but this year, He's got 23 touchdowns and five interceptions. He's brought that number down significantly. He's been very efficient. It's definitely his most efficient season he's had. And I think it still looks a lot the same. It looks like run and gun style of play, but his decision making is just a little bit better and a little bit more elevated. And it's really brought this team to new heights this year when you look at some of the close games and big wins they've been able to pull off. So definitely excited to watch both of these quarterbacks of programs where they mean a lot to the program and the program means a lot to them. They're definitely going to lay it out on the line and they're both going to probably use their legs and use their arms and do whatever they can to pull out a victory in this one. Yeah, I would 100% agree with you. I think emotions could be flowing high for these two quarterbacks. Holt Naylor's playing in 55 games. Grayson McCall, he's talked at length. I mean, at times he's even said, hey, I pissed Teal. So this is kind of the end of an era, but it's neat to see that both of these teams will go out Caden, I was really excited to ask you about matching up against these two quarterbacks because your App State team has played both of these guys, but then I noticed that you didn't play against East Carolina last year, so I won't get to ask you about playing against Holton Aylers, but let's talk about the running backs in this game. Coastal boasts a deep running back room, C.J. Beasley and Reese White. Uh, if you've listened to this podcast this year, we've talked a lot about them. Over 1,200 yards on the ground, eight touchdowns. They've now gotten even further healthy. Braden Bennett, Aaron Bedgood back at the end of the year. They've made a difference. And then meanwhile, you look at this other guy for ECU, and he's one of the best in college football, Keaton Mitchell, the first-team All-AAC honoree this year. Caden, I noticed he's from the state of Georgia, so I had to st- I had to shout that out because we know how much you love your Georgia recruits. Uh but he led the American an average of 121 yards per game this season. His 13 rushing touchdowns were third most. I'm really excited to see Keaton Mitchell play in this game for East Carolina. Now, cutting the film on him, watching the Georgia native Keaton Mitchell do what he does best, which is make special things happen when he touches the rock, was exciting to see preparing for this podcast and preparing for this game. I mean, Keaton's the kind of guy, he's not the biggest guy on the field by any means. He's a 180-pound type of running back. But anytime the ball is in his hands, if he has a small window, a big window, a little bit of space, any kind of space this guy is given, he makes the most of it and has had a ton of house calls this year where you look at the beginning of the play and it's like, oh, okay, this might be a nice gain for this team. And then next thing you know, he's just getting separation from guys left and right. He actually reminds me a little bit of a player that I play with, one of the best players I've ever touched the field with at App State and Darrington Evans with just his explosive ability and his speed and that breakaway speed specifically once he gets to a certain level of the defense. If you look at Keaton Mitchell in this game, second leading rusher in the conference, 40 yards, 50 yards behind Ty J Spears of Tulane. They're both around the same level as far as high running back play in this conference, and they both have one bowl game left. So I think it's going to be interesting to see who ends up with that conference title belt as the leading rusher. And I also thought this was interesting, Noah. I know you're the stats guy. Keaton Mitchell's 20th in the nation in rushing, yard, in, in rushing yards, but if you look at his carries, he only has 179. There's no one on that list above him that has less carries than that. There's guys in the country that have 300, 200 carries. This guy's clearly making the most of his opportunities, still being up there in the national ranks. So I think Coastal Carolina is going to have their hands full having to keep up with this guy. But if you look at the other side of the ball, you can say the same exact thing about Eastern Carolina when you look at this running back room of Coastal that's now healthy. We talked about in the bowl game, Beasley and Reese White, I've had to carry the bulk of this team and the rushing load all season. But now you get some of those guys back like Bedgood and Bennett at the end of the season. Like I talked about with Grayson, they've probably had plenty of time 
to rest between their last game and this bowl game coming up here. So I'm very excited to watch this trio or foursome of running backs really be able to do some damage in this game against the ECU defense that is formidable. They're a great run-stopping defense, but I think their ability at Coastal to be able to throw three, four, even probably five running backs or running options if you put Grayson McCall in the mix will be a huge factor in this game as well. Yeah, that will certainly be interesting. We've When Coastal is at their worst, they become a little bit one-dimensional. If they can maintain that two-dimensionality of the run and the pass, then they're a very good football team. Caden, if the pass is working for both of these teams, which we would expect it to be, when you look at the wide receivers, they're both strong. ECU boasts a pair of 900-yard receivers and Isaiah Winstead, C.J. Johnson. That pair have combined for 13 receiving touchdowns. Johnson actually comes in third in the American with nine touchdowns this year. On the other side, it's a bit more spread out, but when you look at a guy who's the number one receiver for Coastal, that's Sam Pinckney, the transfer from Georgia State. He's had a big year in Conway. And then you start looking at guys like Jared Brown, the freshman Tyson Mobley, who've each had over 30 catches this year. Jared Brown actually led this team with six touchdowns this season, but a lot of strong wide receiver play. You don't have that premier wide receiver that maybe we've seen in a couple of the other Sunbelt Bowls this year, but some, but a lot of talent nonetheless. Yeah, and I think when you look at ECU, it's going to be a big, big, big day for these wide receivers. If the I really, really, if you look at both teams, if you look at both of these teams, they're not great at stopping the pass. But I think if you look at ECU and some of the stuff they've been able to do in their conference this year with the duo of Isaiah Winston and CJ Johnson, it's been remarkable to watch. And I think Holden Ehlers has a particularly tapped in mentally physically, whatever you want to call it. He has a special relationship with CJ Johnson when you look at him. I mean, when they played USF, Ehlers had 465 yards, six touchdowns, and four of those touchdowns were to CJ Johnson. I know they got some national recognition for that performance that week, and I think it just shows you the ceiling of what this team's capable of throwing the ball. And if you're Coastal Carolina and you saw how Gunnar Watson did you in the first half of the game, you definitely want to make sure you're on your P's and Q's heading into this matchup as far as making sure your secondary's in the right place. I think if you lose one-on-one matchups to these guys, if they make some contested catches, that's one thing. But if you're letting guys run free deep like you were in the conference championship game, you're going to have a whole nother set of problems. And really the same applies for this ECU defense. Their secondary is not great. It's the second worst in their conference with giving up yards per game in the air with 299 per game. And you look at it with Coastal Carolina, I think their key is going to be leaning into that rookie and leaning into that vet. You have Sam Pickney, an experienced guy, played a ton of football for you who ends the season as your leading receiver. Then I hope that he can have a big game for you. Probably in his last bowl game, I'm not sure with eligibility these days, but Sam Pickney's been around for quite a while. So if this is his last game, he's going to want to end it on the right note. And then you have to feed that rookie too. Jared Brown, the freshman of the year in the Sunbelt Conference, has proven that he's such a threat at his size with his speed in the running game, in the passing game. I think if you can get Jared Brown going in this matchup early, not late like you got in the conference championship, but early, that'll be huge for Coastal as well. Yeah, that will certainly be important. And Kane, another thing that's going to be huge for these offenses is their ability to convert third downs. And these are two teams that are, you know, at the top in terms of that statistic in college football. ECU enters, they convert nearly 47% of their third downs, which was actually fourth best in the American this year. Coastal third in the Sun Belt, 43% conversion rate. Why are these two teams so good at converting on third down? We talked about in the past with Coastal Carolina, it really comes down to their style of offense and the elite decision maker they have at quarterback. Coastal Carolina in these third and medium scenarios is very good in general. If you look at their offensive philosophy at making your defense have to worry about a lot of different things. There's always going to be someone in motion. Your linebacker is going to have to worry about if this guy's going to run for the pass, if this guy's going to block for a run. There's a lot to worry about and you have your hands full quite a bit going up 
up against this Coastal Carolina offensive scheme. And on third down, when they only need a couple of yards, it makes it even easier for them to convert those things. And if you look at ECU, I think it really comes down to their balance as far as an offense. You look at this team, they're the only team in their conference that has a top five rushing and passing attack. And I think when it comes to third down, when you have to worry about holding Ayler's legs, when you have to worry about Keaton Mitchell on the run and the receiving threats on the outside, it might not be as schematic as Coastal Carolina's, but in general, you're going to have to worry about quite a few things when you're facing this offense in general, and especially on third down with them having so many go-to options. So I think their coaching staff does a great job as well of getting some motions going and getting some eye candy in the backfield too. So I think the team that does do better on third down in this game, if you take the explosive plays aside, probably will win the time of possession and probably will win the game. I think if you look at these two offenses and their teams in general and what they've done this season. Yeah, it feels like one of those, you know, perfect, you know, points in this to kind of say this could be what determines this football game. Obviously, third down is big in any football game, but these two teams, if one of them can stop the other, there's a good chance that that ends up being that that fulcrum point, that deciding point of this football game. Kane, let's switch sides of the football and let's talk a little bit of defense here. And when you look at the pass rush, this is an area that Coastal has a distinct advantage. 34 sacks this year. ECU, meanwhile, enters with just 24 sacks. But Caden, it's looming large over this game. Josiah Stewart won't play after he announced he's transferring to Michigan. Good for him on getting that opportunity. But uh, Coastal Carolina comes in. They're very deep at that position. Four guys with three or more sacks this year. But then you look at ECU. They only have Jeremy Lewis. Their their leading sack artist, just three and a half sacks this year. So this has not been a very good ECU team in terms of getting to opposing teams' quarterbacks. And if you can't get to Grayson McCall, you're going to have some problems. You said it best, though. I think that's the biggest factor in this game. If you don't have a pass rush, that's one thing. But when you're playing a mobile quarterback, a quarterback who by the second, if you give him more and more time, is only going to be able to make better and better decisions, that's worrisome. So if you are ECU right now heading into this game, your pass rushing guys are definitely working their technique, working their their pass rushing skills and abilities at practice because it's going to be a big factor in this game. It's going to be something that's more of an upside for them. If they can get it, that will be great, and it would help them out a ton. But it's really not expected the way this offensive line is playing all year and the way Grayson McCall is very good at extending plays and getting the ball out of his hands quick. But you talk about it on the other side for Coastal Carolina, missing a huge hole in their defense in a friend of the podcast, Josiah Stewart. His production will be missed. His leadership will be missed. But I do expect them to have some other players on this team step up like Adrian Hope, who ended up leading the team in sacks. I believe he even plays the same position and just rotated in with Josiah Stewart. He found different ways to touch the field this season and made the most of it. But you look at other guys like Jaquan Griffin, like Gerard Clark, those are experienced guys on this team who know what they're doing. They've played in bowl games before. They're used to this kind of stage and they're used to getting sacks in games. So I think they're going to have a lot of different expectations, mixed expectations from the outside looking in without a guy like Josiah Stewart who takes up a lot of the the national attention of this team with the transfer port and all that stuff happening. But they're all going to be probably looking to make a name for themselves in this game too. And I think if they can get to Holden Ehlers, that'll be a great way to do it. And with him being left-handed, kind of just have to be smart about your rushing with his running ability as well. Hey, last thing on this matchup, Caden, and, and you won't like to hear this because both of these defenses are really bad against opposing teams' offenses when they throw the football. ECU, Coastal Carolina are both the worst passing defenses in their conference. Coastal, 282 yards per game through the air this year. ECU, right at 300 yards per game. Uh, these two teams have combined for just 20 interceptions. ECU has 11, Coastal has 9. Okay, and you know how much I love these little stat nuggets, and this one was interesting. ECU second best in the American this year with 11 interceptions. 
Then you look at Coastal. They had nine interceptions. That was actually good for 11th in the Sun Belt this year with how good we've seen some of these secondaries be. But I, I really feel like the secondaries are going to have some trouble in this game against two very good passing offenses. Yeah, and we've talked off camera about just the defensive pedigree when we look at all of these different conferences and matchups compared to the Sun Belt. I think it really says a lot about the defensive play and the level of play we've seen in the Sun Belt conferences here on the defensive side of the ball. But you're right. Listen, I'm, I'm a defensive back by heart. You know that I love to watch a good secondary play. But when it comes to bowl games and fun bo- football, I'm definitely down to watch a bunch of points scored, a bunch of receivers running, running wide open. So it's something I'm looking forward to but not looking forward to in this matchup. But you talk about it. Both of these teams have struggled in their secondary all season. But despite all of that, I'm really excited about some of these matchups. Malik Fleming's an all-conference guy at ECU, a quarterback that's a great player. No matter who he's lined up across from, looking forward to watching him do that with his speed because he's not the biggest cornerback in the world but I think him on a guy like Jared Brown who's a little bit smaller a little bit faster will be a good matchup and the same thing on the other side of the ball we've talked about guys like Lance Boykin who has a large frame at cornerback for Coastal Carolina thinking of him lined up across from a guy like CJ Johnson who's a big body like a guy like Isaiah Winstead who's a 6'4 body just some exciting individual matchups I think that will be interesting to watch in this game but you talked about it the yards that they give up and the points that they give up and the plays that they give us on, up on the on both of these teams are really more mental than physical. I think both of these teams have the talent out wide and over the top to match up with just about any group of five team. When you look at the receivers that they bring to the table, it's going to be about can they lock in mentally? I think whichever team's secondary is locked in the most mentally, who doesn't give up those big plays and those big mistakes and just plays their own game, plays their zone coverage on point and plays penalty-free man coverage will be successful in this game, especially when you talk about the differing pass rush situations as well. I think if you combine some bad pass rushing, some inability to get to the quarterback with some bad secondary play can get nasty for either of these teams. So they're definitely going to have to be on point in the back end, especially dependent on how well that pass rush hits for them. Kane, we don't have a lot of time to talk about this final point here, but I did want to get your quick thoughts on this. This feels like a very transitory type game for Coastal Carolina. You've got a lot of pieces that aren't going to be back. You have a new head coach. You've got guys like DeJordan Strong who have announced that they're going into the NFL draft. Caden, how big of a game is this for Coastal Carolina coming off of their poor end to the season? It's a huge one. There's a lot of uncertainty, I feel, around this Coastal program right now. You have different players hitting the transfer portal. You have Jamie Chadwell leaving the program, and you really ended the season not on the note you wanted to. You lost your, you lost your conference championship game. You had a tough loss to James Madison before that in embarrassing fashion where people are now saying you didn't necessarily win the East technically just because of that performance and what we've seen all season from JMU versus Coastal Carolina. So I think this could be a huge watershed moment for this Coastal Carolina program. I think the way they can stamp off and end this season will be huge for them going forward. They're bringing new blood into the program, bringing a new head coach in the program, and they're going to have a new quarterback at the reins in this program next year. So I think whatever kind of taste they can leave in their mouth positively heading into that can be good versus some of the negative stuff we've seen in the past couple weeks surrounding this program on the field, off the field, everything in between. I think that winning solves a lot of problems and I think they can use this win to solve and soothe some of those problems and have a smoother transition when they have a new head coach in their building. That'll be huge because this ECU team, don't get it twisted, seven-win team, didn't really come close to winning their conference title, but they're very good at winning close games. They're a scrappy team. If you watch them on film, they've won a ton of three-point, one-score games. They will get after it, and they will be ready to get after Coastal Carolina. So I think if Coastal Carolina can start this game well, if they can throw the first punch, because we see that didn't work out for them clearly in the Troy game where they didn't start off well, I think if they can play some of their best football in the beginning of this game, some of that championship pedigree, some of that Coastal Carolina ball that we're used to seeing come alive can come alive in this one, and they can end their offseason or head into their offseason on the right note. 
A final thought. You mentioned ECU seven wins this year. It could have very easily been eight. They lost on a walk-off field goal to NC State to open up the year. And, Caden, really the biggest thing in this game I have learned when you're watching Grayson McCall play, you never bet against Grayson McCall. He pisses Teal, and we'll see how he goes out in his legendary Chanticleers career. Well, that will do it for the Ticket Smarter Birmingham Bowl preview episode on the Frary and Smith podcast. We'd like to say a special thank you to ECU quarterback Holton Ehlers and assistant AD Malcolm Gray for helping make this episode possible. Before you go, don't forget that we'll be back with our final bowl preview on Monday where we'll preview the upcoming Camellia Bowl between Georgia Southern and Buffalo that will take place on December 27th in Montgomery, Alabama. We want to thank you for listening to this episode. We both enjoyed it. And we certainly hope you did too. If you did, take a moment, subscribe to the show on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We don't want you to ever miss another episode. Also, if you really like today's show, consider taking a moment to tell us what you liked by leaving a quick review on Apple Podcasts or by leaving a five-star rating on Spotify. Both of those things really help us out. Finally, if you still haven't, follow the show on Twitter at Prairie and Smith for all the latest Sunbelt football news and notes. You won't regret it. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon.